Hey, welcome to New Life Church, wherever you are, if you're at North Platte in Ogallala, if you're sitting at home, if you're on vacation, if you're right here at the Kearney campus, we're so glad you're here. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors uh, here on staff, and I'm excited to get to hang out with you from the platform today. And, and just everybody at all of our locations participate right now with a, a show of hands. How many of you would say that you are naturally optimistic? Come on, raise your hand if you're an optimist, all right? There were less, there were less the last time I asked this question. Uh, how many are, are naturally more pessimistic? Come on. All right, if somebody next to you is not raising their hand, they should be. Come on, even North Platte. All right, how many who have not raised, their hand, raised your hand, you're like me, and you are a realist, all right? Come on, realists. Just, just being honest, calling it how it is. Well, today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the, uh, the perspective we have on life in a message I've entitled, The Good Life. Everybody say, The Good Life. <laughs> all right. By the way, next week we are having a message called Nebraska. It's not for everyone, all right? <laughs> Nebraska jokes, if you're listening online from Oregon, you, we just lost you. But, uh, but anyway, the good, the good life. You see, a lot of people overemphasize the negative things in life. But even if you go through tough times, you have the good life. You have it made. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell them, you have it made. Now turn to your other neighbor and tell them, I have it made. Come on. Now you may disagree with me if you were the pessimist that raised your hand. You may disagree with me. I don't have it made, but hopefully by the time you leave today, I've changed your mind. And so go with me if you have your Bible to Psalm 23. If you don't have a Bible with you, a physical Bible, you have access to a Bible on your phone, go to the Bible app, click on the events, and you want to go to our message here today at New Life Church. And actually, I've put a lot of extras in our sermon uh, notes today that you would want to access and save if you're not taking handwritten notes today. Psalm 23, the infamous Psalm 23. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you know the 23rd Psalm. I mean, you probably have seen a picture at your grandma's house, right? That had Psalm 23. Everybody has heard of Psalm 23. And I, and I think there's something, some reason why it's so famous because it's very clear that something within the human heart resonates with Psalm 23. It just, it just comes to life. And so let me read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Don't read it with me. I'm reading it for you. Come on. <laughs> Follow instructions. All right. He, make, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all of new life said, amen. amen. I mean, when you hear that, isn't that just such a great passage of scripture, right? I love the 23rd Psalm. We're going to talk a lot about it today. And, and, 
Right now, if you're a parent that has have kids in school, we're getting ready to send our kids back to school. And I was thinking about how when I was a little kid and I, I went to school, there's these timeless comebacks, right, that we learn when somebody calls you a, a name or is mean to you, right? And so parents, if you, if you have little kids, you can teach them this, right, before they go off to school. And so you're, you're on the playground, your friend... A friend or another kid is mean to you, says something mean, and, and there's these classic phrases. Uh, one of them I like is, I'm rubber, you're glue, everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you, right? And then there was this, uh, this other one, I know you are, but what am I, right? That was my go-to. I know, I mean, it's so annoying too, right? I know you are, but what am I, Right? I know you are. Now, when you read the 23rd Psalm, it's obvious that David is extremely confident in who the Lord is. I know you are, but what am I? You see, sometimes we read the Bible and discover it's very clear who God is, but we never pause to think, if he's that, then what does that make me? I know you are, but what am I? And David says it to us right here. He says, the Lord is is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Meaning, if he is our shepherd, then we are sheep, right? Have you ever Googled sheep? Do it this week, right? I did it this week, and it's, it's very humbling to discover that they're considered the most unintelligible animals on planet Earth, right? The Lord is my shepherd, meaning I'm a sheep. And, and there, basically, one article said that sheep are just prone to stupidity. And this is from a lamb enthusiast, right? I know you are, but what am I? If you are my shepherd, then I am your sheep, the equivalent of a sheep with you as my shepherd. You see, defining the roles in our relationship with God is, is, is of extreme importance. And when we do it, it can position us to experience a, a deeper, a more thriving relationship with God. We need to define the roles. And if we're left to our nature, we will oftentimes reverse the roles. Have you ever been at the store and saw a child bossing their mom or their dad around? I mean, I know there are no families, there's no households at New Life that that's ever happened to you. But we've all seen it, right? It's very awkward, it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? There are people who get the roles reversed in their relationship with God, and they go through life with a very awkward relationship with God. David defined the roles. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, meaning I am under his authority. He is the one who's leading me and guiding me and directing me. I am just, can I say it? A stupid sheep. This famous scripture, one of the most famous passages in the Bible is known by many but misunderstood by most. Because sometimes the more familiar you are with something, it can numb you to its meaning, right? It becomes a cliche because you've recited it, you've heard it over and over and over. And because this is so famous, we've all heard it. We can miss what David and what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us because it's so familiar. What we can learn about ourselves from David, this is in your Bible app, or if you're taking notes, write this down, is this. Your prayers reveal 
your theology. Your prayers reveal your theology. Your prayers reveal what you believe about God and how God interacts with you in your life. Your prayers will reveal to you what you believe about God's interaction through the seasons that you're going through in your life, about what God can do in and through you. David, who's writing this prayerful song, he not only, he not only believes this up here, he has experienced it in his life, that the Lord is a shepherd. So he gives us some clues on how God works in our life. You know, that question, how does God work in my life, can be a very uh, confusing type of uh, subject and question to ask. What is God doing in this season of my life? What is God doing in that season of my life? And David makes it clear that God is incredibly active no matter the season. God is incredibly active in his life. Now, I want you to notice that David doesn't talk a lot about what he's doing. David is not saying, here's, I'm doing this, I do this, this is how, what I'm doing. He makes a lot of, of he, give, he talks a lot about the activity of God. The Lord makes me lie down in green pasture. The Lord restores. The Lord leads me in paths of righteousness. The Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. The Lord is with me. He's, he's talking about the activity of the Lord. You see, write this down. David is opening our eyes to this incredible truth that God is doing more than you think. Would you tell your neighbor that? God is doing more than you think. God is doing more than you think. It's interesting that these six verses that make up the chapter, the chapter number 23 of the book of Psalms are broken into two sections. And when it starts out, David, he's talking about the good seasons. You might be here in a good season of life, and you need to listen in on what David is saying about God in the good seasons. He says, the Lord, God is bringing me to or making me lie down in green pastures. He's leading me beside still waters. Fun fact, sheep do not like to drink from moving water. Did you know that? I didn't know it till this week, but I think it's very interesting. You see, good shepherds would find ways to dam up the water so that their crazy sheep could get a drink. And you know, it made me think that when we get to heaven, I believe that we are going to discover how very thoughtful our heavenly father was, orchestrating the things in our life. Man, I was bringing you still waters because I knew you couldn't drink from a stream. You just never realized what I was doing because he's the good shepherd. He says he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness. And this is in the good season, what the Lord is doing. So if you... If you read this, if you kind of reflect on it, it's almost implicit that in the good seasons of life, God is trying to get you to slow down, trying to get you to focus on your pace, your energy, your attitude, your emotions, the, the tank, filling the tank up. When things are going good, oftentimes we just grind it out because they're going good, man. The economy's good. Relationships are good. You know, things are good, and I'm just going to 
go 100 miles an hour. We just grind it out. And we can do that and never really experience the purpose for the good season when God's trying to get us to slow down. You can even be living in a great season in your not life today and not even realize it because all of the chaos you've packed into your life. You know, if you're in a good season, the best, probably most spiritual thing that some of you need to do is to take a nap. Can we just all agree that today, all, every new lifer here in Kearney and North Platte, today we're all going to take a nap, right? Can we just agree to that? We have applause. Wow. <laughs> it says, he makes me lie down. I, have to, I used to have to do that with my oldest daughter. I would have to make her lie down, and we would recline in my recliner, and I would just hold on to her while she was kicking and screaming until she gave up and fell asleep. God, he says, he makes me lie down. You see, God designed something very spiritual about rest because life goes to a better place when we live at a sustainable pace. Now, don't get me wrong. Even in the good season, if you're a follower of Jesus, God has us on mission. As a church, God has us on mission, right? So we're not talking about being lazy. I'm just going to check out of ministry for a season. I'm just going to hang out. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. And that's not what he's talking about. But in the good seasons, we can blow right past God. God wants us to connect with him daily and weekly, daily and weekly, daily, personally, weekly, corporately to worship God. It's so very important. Then even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me and on and on and on. Did you notice the shift in the verbiage as you read that? Maybe glance back. Any grammarians in the house today? In the good season, David is talking about God in third person. He, he. He. And then as it shifts to the valley, he steps into the valley of the shadow of death. It's second person, you, you, you are with me, right? Have you found, like I have found that things when they're really good, I'm really good at talking about God, but then when I step into a painful valley, right, I'm talking to God more often. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. There's just something very special. There's something about our relationship with God that goes to a deeper level when we step into deeper valleys. Once again, my, my kids, I don't know if my kids love me using them as illustrations, but Juliana is on the stage today. Maybe it's because she's getting ready to go off to college, right? But I remember when she was, she is, by the way, in a week and a half, she's going off to Minneapolis. But I remember when she was a little girl, again, trying to put her to sleep was difficult, right? I even thought about, you know, Dimatap, using some type of uh, stuff like that. But when she was really little, and, you know, I don't know if it, she, was, she was scared of the dark, and she, she could walk, but she was still sleeping in her baby crib, and she had the ability, like an army, you know, soldier to just jump over that crib and flip her legs over and get out of that crib every night she would do that so I would go in and the lights would be out and I would lay on the floor by her and rub her back for a little bit until she started to go to sleep and then and then when I thought she was getting close to being asleep 
I would start the crawl <laughs> like I was stalking a giant elk, right, in Utah. And I would start the crawl and just take me about half an hour, right, to go get to the door, you know, listening for her. And sometimes I would make it to the door and I'd pull the door shut and I would WD-40 that door. You know what I'm saying? Like in preparation, shut that door. And right when I was about to be able to close it, she would wake up. And I would go, oh, okay, and go back. And I would do that several times. But I remember asking her one time, Juliana, okay, I, I've got to go to sleep so I can turn the light on for you or I can lay with you here in the dark on the floor. Daddy, I'd rather you turn out the light and lay with me in the dark. You see, she would rather have my presence in the darkness than be alone in the light. And I think that's the way that we are wired. You see, God allows us, one of the reasons when we go through the valley, so that we have a more intimate relationship connection to him. You see, it gets very personal in the valley, doesn't it? And I believe that if you will find the perseverance and the determination to just not throw in the towel on your faith when you enter the valley, you will discover that the valley, you will take your relationship, your confidence in God to a deeper level to a greater level, if you would just change your perspective on the valley. You will find that God, that what God does in your life is more of a blessing and oftentimes more productive in the valley than it is on the mountaintop. And David says, even though, everybody say, even though. Even though. I want an even though type of faith. How many are with me? Even though I may face pain, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which David literally did, even though life is confusing and things are coming my way that I wasn't expecting, that are not my fault, even though I know you are with me. I want an even though type of faith. And then he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow. In the good season, God is trying to get you to lie down, to rest, to save your energy, to fill your tank, to not just run so fast that you don't connect with him. But in the valley, you have to keep moving. And we get it backwards. We run fast. We just blaze right past what God wants to do in the good times. And we run fast and we ignore God. And then we want to quit in the seasons when it's hard. And I, I want to give you something that's probably the most profound thing any of you have ever heard me, so get your pen out. You cannot get to where you are going if you do not keep going. Captain Obvious, right? You cannot get to where you are going if you do not keep going. It's important. You've got to keep going in the valley because you're never going to get to where God wants to take you unless you keep going. And you know, when I look at this passage, Psalm 23, I know that we tend to separate verses 3 and 4. I, as I said, these are two different sections, but we, we tend to kind of remove them from each other. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness, and then even though I walk through the valley. As if they're different, but they're the same. Because sometimes walking a path of righteousness that God has called you to walk means walking through a dark valley. 
Some of you need to hear this because we get so mystical about things. We try to use our own intellect and logic and we think, I'm going through a hard time. This must be a sign that I'm out of God's will. It could be. It could be, by the way. But we can get, we overthink things. It must be a sign that I'm doing something wrong. But when you are following Jesus, resistance is predictable for one thing. And for another thing, he takes us through valleys for a reason. And sometimes people walk through the valley and they quit even though they're on the very path that God has for them to walk. And here's what we need to get from David, that God knows where we are going. God knows where we are going and knows that the valley is worth the trip. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the valley is worth the trip. Come on, some of you are in the valley and you're like, I don't believe it. I think it's the enemy. The enemy's against me. God just needs to rescue me from the valley. But God is saying to us today that the valley is worth the trip. It's worth the risk. Why? Because God wants to say, because I know where you're going. I know where I'm taking you. God says it's worth the risk because I know where you're going. When you meet a new person, here's a great question to get to know them. And ask them, I ask people this sometimes, what is the most painful experience you've had to endure in your life? I think that's a very revealing type of question. It sounds very deep. But oftentimes the most painful experiences in your life are tied to what makes you great. Because God brings out the best in us in our worst of times. You see, God will use, and we can learn this from David, and I've learned it in my own experience, God will use the circumstances of our life not as a, as a way of punishing us, but a way of preparing us. So notice that God is, God is doing different things in the valley than he is on the mountaintops. In the mountain, he's making you lie down. He's having you rest, right, green pastures. He's leading you beside the still water so you can get a drink. He's restoring you, but look what he is doing in the valley. He's comforting you. He's with you. He's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You see, to get to where you're going, you're going to need what God does in the valley. Let me say that one more time. To get to where you're going, where God has taken you, you are going to need what God does in the valley. You see, sometimes we think when we go through a valley a hard time, it's a step down. But let me just tell you, a step down is a step up if your steps are ordered of the Lord. Step down is a step up if your steps are ordered of the Lord. So here's the big question I want you to try to answer before you leave today. What moves you more, the shepherd or the shadow? What moves you more? Your shepherd, if you're a follower of Jesus, he is your shepherd. What moves you more, your shepherd or the shadow? What moves you more, sex or purity? What moves you more, divorce or reconciliation? What, what moves you more, money or meaning in your life? You see, when we take our cues from Jesus, the good shepherd, it's, the worst, it's worth the risk of facing the season of the valley. 
And so let me just encourage you, let's not become people who are moved by the shadows and the shadows that try to trip us up to rob us of our purpose and our potential. Let's not be moved by our shadows. Let's take our cues from the shepherd and let's stay in step with our shepherd. Amen? Amen. I I think it says a lot about David's theology, what he believes about God, that he calls God the shepherd. Because David is arguably the most famous shepherd that has ever lived, right? If you know who David is, he was a shepherd. He put being a shepherd on the map. You know what I'm saying? I mean, before David, nobody cared about shepherds. But here David shows up one day when the army of Israel is fighting and this, this giant comes out. And David says, dude, I've been, I've been killing bears and I've been killing lions. I'm going to take care of this giant and protect these grown men. Just let me fight him, right? That was David, the shepherd. You see, God will show you. Here's the point. He will show you. He will re- reveal to you how relevant he is to whatever role that you have in your life right now. You're a great shepherd, but God says, I got got a better handle on this thing. You're good, but I'm great. I like the story of Jesus calling his very first disciples, and he he goes out to Peter. Peter's a fisherman. He's been fishing all night, and he's just, he's, he's about like me when it comes to fishing, right? I go with Pastor Jeff fishing and Pastor Nate, and they're just reeling him in, and Nothing, nothing. I mean, that was Peter. I can identify with him and nothing. Jesus shows up. Uh, Jesus, I mean, he's the rabbi teacher guy. And Jesus says, hey, go out and throw your nets on the other side. Now, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking, I'm not taking my fishing tips from a religious teacher, right? But he does it. He goes out and Peter catches the, the biggest catch of his life right there. And Jesus says, you know, you think that's great. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God is very relevant to whatever role that you are in in your life. And David, David recognized this. He also recognized that we all take our cues from someone or something. We all do. And we can act like we're self-made men and women, but that's not true. We all take our cues for someone or something. So if not Jesus, then who? If not following Jesus, then what is it going to be? And David says, I'm going to take my cues from the shepherd. You see, another thing about shepherds, the true test of how great a shepherd is, is how willing they are, how far they're willing to go to lay down their life for their flock. And so I want you to think about that and put that filter on Jesus. How far was he willing to go to lay down his life for you and me? That's why David could say he didn't know this yet, right? But he could prophetically say, you are my shepherd. How far did Jesus go to lay down his life? He went all the way. That's why he is the ultimate shepherd. Sometimes when we go through the valley, though, we think that our shepherd, that God's not really a shepherd because a shepherd would be right with me. We think that God has deserted us that he is distance, not David. David said, when I stepped into the valley, I discovered that God wasn't watching from a distance. God was within inches. David says, I have found the value in this relationship in the darkest of valleys. This is the good life. And I remember a season, the, the most difficult, painful season so far in the life of Lynette and me was when our son Ryan was born. 
And actually, previous to that, I was basically fired from my position as a youth pastor, just to put it bluntly. And then Ryan was born, which was a great joy, except he had some extreme uh, complications with his lungs and an infection in his body to where we, we were preparing to bury our son. And I remember leaving one ho- the hospital that my bride had just given birth to Ryan in to go to the other hospital where Ryan had been taken with somebody bagging him for a couple, you know, over an hour, just hand bagging him to get to a surgery to go on something called ECMO to try to save his life. And I remember driving and tears flowing down my face and coming to that point where I said, God, he, he is yours. God, you know, I, I want you to save him, but he is yours. And let me just tell you, long story, maybe I get to share it with you over coffee, but I don't know of a season in life that Lynette and I felt the intense peace and grace of God like we did in that valley. Some closeness that happens in our relationship with God in the valley. David knew this. I think it's right. One reason he wrote the 23rd Psalm. You see, David was very familiar with the valley. David has this great story. He was the shepherd and he was called by God to be the king. He was anointed. You remember, he anoints my head with oil, right? Well, David was anointed and that's what they would do, pour oil over their head to be the king. But there was a lag time where he, uh, he wasn't on the throne. And this other king named Saul was jealous and was chasing him down. And I mean, David's a fugitive. Saul is chasing him in caves and deserts. And he was literally, his life, he was on the run. But what David discovered, while David was running from a king, David was becoming a king. God was doing something in the valley, developing his character, developing his heart for God. And he actually says, in the season, in the valley, he says this. This is going to blow you away. My cup overflows. He is saying, while I discovered in my darkest time, God was blessing me so much that I couldn't contain it. You see, that's what sets people of faith apart. That's what sets us apart. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're not better than anybody. We're just better off than some. You know what I'm saying? We are not better than people who are not believers, but we are better off than non-believers. You better believe it. Because we have a God who is good, a good shepherd, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear anything because God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. But only, only if he is your shepherd. Before you leave today, you are going to be presented with the opportunity to surrender to the good shepherd. I hope you do it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're walking through the good times, would you allow God to slow you down, connect with him? If you're walking through the valley, take heart. He is with inches. He is within inches. He is with you. And he's doing something in you that he will not waste. Let's stand, let's pray. God, thank you for the mountaintops. Thank you for the valleys. Thank you that you are my shepherd. You are my shepherd. You are my leader. You are my authority. Thank you that you came and you died so that people who are lost, 
who are defenseless as sheep are, who are directionless, who, who don't have the ability to, to make our own plans that, that lead to any consequence, that you came and you died for us, that we might be your sheep, that you might be our shepherd, and you desire an intimate relationship with us. Thank you that your presence transcends our emotions and our perception. God, I pray that today my friends that are walking through a valley would feel you close, that they would not give up, that they would continue to pursue you. I pray for my friends that it's a good season. May they pause. May they not blow the good season, the season of blessing. And I pray that today my friends that are here throughout the North Platte campus, they're listening online, that today would be the day They would surrender their life to you. No turning back. No turning back. Be their shepherd today. In Jesus' name, amen.